0: Hi everyone, this is Alex Martin from the Consent Your Education Program with Humber College and the University of Guelph-Humber. Today in this fifth episode of Salt and Sugar, I'm joined with Erin Brown to talk about everything there is to pride. And since it is June, we're going to be talking about the 2s LGBTQ+ acronym, as well as Pride Month history in Canada, along with some tips and strategies for the 2s LGBTQ+ community in terms of dating during COVID and everything in between. So we really hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for listening. Chat soon. Bye now,
1: folks. For for tuning in. Um, I will pass it over to Alex to get us started.
0: Sure, thanks Erin. So um, uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Alex Martin and I'm one of the Consent Peer Educators um, with the Consent Peer Education Program, uh, which is with the University of Guelph-Humber and um, I'm also a part of the Humber North Campus. Um, And I'm here with Erin today. And Erin, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Hi, my name is Erin, my pronouns are he, him, and his, and I'm the coordinator for sexual violence prevention and education at Humber College and the University of Guelph-Humber.
0: Yes, thanks, Erin. So um, to begin, we're sort of going to touch on um, the meaning of what Salt and Sugar uh, is and the the meaning behind our podcast for those of you that are joining here for the first time. The purpose for the title is that we are talking about many topics surrounding sex such as sexual assault and consent and many folks do not know how to realize uh, if they are in a kind of situation because of the lack of knowledge around consent so therefore we thought of the uh, idea salt and sugar because both look identical but the one way to know the difference between them is the way that they taste. So our podcast will hopefully give you folks the ability to recognize the difference between when consent is given and when it is not. And um if you don't know what we're going to be talking about today, um this is all about Pride Month and uh, the US LGBTQ+ community. So um yeah. So we're going to get started and I'll invite Aaron to give you a little bit of a description of what 2 LGBTQ means. Thanks.
1: Yeah. I, um, I think it's important, you know, as we're having this conversation today to uh, really understand what is meant when we say 2 LGBTQ um, and folks may have heard a lot of different, um, acronyms over time and, and continues to, to shift and change. Um, you might have heard previously just like LGBT and then LGBTQ. Um, we know that on campus we have the LGBTQ plus resource center. Um, but uh, we are using the, the term 2SLGBTQ plus to um, in particular be inclusive of two spirit peoples. Um, and really center that by placing it at the beginning of the acronym uh, to acknowledge that they were the first queer people here um, on what we call North America, but when we're thinking of uh, Turtle Island. Um, And so when we're using the term 2SLGBTQ+, um, you know, we are being uh, inclusive of two-spirit folks, lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, uh, trans, uh, queer, Um, and and folks who may be of a different identity that still identifies within this sort of queer umbrella. So I'm thinking of folks who maybe are questioning, for instance, or asexual um, and so on. So um, really we're thinking outside of um, heterosexuality and we're thinking outside of uh, when folks are identifying as cisgender um, where uh, essentially their biological sex uh, rep- uh, matches how they perceive th- uh, their own gender identity. And so it really is sort of this, this broad community. And I think even when we say community, the reality is that we should be saying communities because it, it really is so broad and, and we're not a monolith. And I think that that's really important uh, for us to be mindful as well. Um, and so that's sort of just a, a bit of um context for our conversation today um but i am going to pass it back to alex who um wants to get us started just by sharing a bit about pride month which is happening currently and, and a bit of that history before we dive into our conversation
0: yeah thanks aaron so um The question is, what is Pride Month? So Pride Month is currently celebrated each year in the month of June to honor the 1969 Stonewall Uprising in Manhattan. Uh, The Stonewall Uprising was a tipping point for the gay liberation movement in the United States. And the United States, uh the last sunday in june was initially celebrated as Gay pride day uh, but the actual day was flexible so in canada we celebrate pride for the entire month of june to acknowledge the 2s lgbtq plus community and um um, I'm also going to uh, give a brief history of some things that did happen in Canada um, that were very well known for the 2SLGBTQ community. Um, so the most well known point were the Toronto Raids, which led to riots that turned into what is today a vibrant pride festival. And it was not only a turning point in our history, um, but there's also, All the other events that happened in Canada, so an example would be the first gay rights protest, which happened um, on August 28th, 1971. Um, This was uh, the very first time that um, people that were part of the community were able to come out and say who they were and uh, express what their thoughts were on having this community being present. Um, And On May 17th, 1990, a little bit later, uh, the World Health Organization, so WHO, voted to remove homosexuality from being designated as a mental health disorder in uh, the 10th revision of the International Statistical um, Classification of Diseases and Related Health uh, Problems. So that was really, really, great for um, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, We were able to see ourselves as not being a part of a mental health disorder and being um, told that, you know, we weren't supposed to be who we were. Um, And another um, event that happened a little bit later as well was the um, was Toronto's first Trans March, which happened on June 27th in 2009, um, which was really, really great for the trans community and everybody else in the 2 uh, LGBTQ plus community as well, just celebrating that, um, we were able to accept people who are trans and, um, it was great to have that being a part of our community. And, um, one other thing i'd like to mention that i think is really great um, in terms of the history of the community is um, the same-sex couple that married in ontario which is um michael leshner and michael stark so they became the first same-sex couple to be issued a marriage license and marry in toronto ontario after the ruling by the Ontario Court of Appeals. So they actually had to fight for that. Um, and that happened in June on June 10th, in 2003. So um, those are just a few uh, things that happened um, in terms of the history of Pride Month and the community. If you'd like to learn more, um, you can go to uh, the website, www.queerevents.ca canada slash pride slash history so that is where you can find all the events that happen in canada that are related to pride and um, there are so many more that uh, i did not list today but those are just a few and you can learn so much more on that website which is really really
1: great and i think that it's um you know as we're having this conversation today you know, we just wanted to provide a couple comments there, but we didn't want to do a, you know, a full lecture on the history of Pride. Um, but it, it is really important to understand how this does influence our, our experiences of intimacy and connection as queer people. And Alex and I both identify um, as, as members of the 2SLGBTQ plus community. Um, and this, this context is still so present for us today uh, in, in who we are. Um, and so we do really think it's important for you to to reflect on that context as well. Um, but I think that really a, a big part of the conversation that we wanted to have today um, was about our experiences with with intimacy and connection and, and dating and all these sorts of things. Um, as members of the 2SLGBTQ plus community, um, both, you know, during the pandemic, and before the pandemic um, and a question that I would really like to pose to you Alex is do you feel like um, dating and intimacy is different in queer communities or, or like do you feel like there's a, a difference in, in how we engage or approach it
0: um I definitely think uh, that there is a difference in terms of the dating and intimacy factors only because um for people that are you know still trying to figure out their sexuality or just started um being aware of that it can be very difficult for them to sort of get into dating and get into intimacy so there's a different way of going about it. And um, I feel like those that are part of uh, the community and have been, uh, you know, out for a lot longer than some other folks, they, they know what they're doing. They know how to, um, they know what they want. They know uh, what they um, like in terms of who they date, in terms of intimacy, they know how it works. But I feel like it's the same sort of, you um, process if it was to be um, if you were straight where in a straight community and a queer community I feel like it's generally the same Um, there's nothing really different because we still have the dating apps we still have all these things that are very very um, similar to um, people within the straight community as well so I feel like um, maybe the intimacy part can be a little bit difficult for folks that are still um, trying to figure out, figure out their sexuality or folks that haven't, um, really been accepted. That part can be very difficult for them. Um, but other than that, I feel like dating and intimacy, um, can be very, very similar to, um, those that are within the straight community and the queer communities.
1: Yeah, I think, um, like I, I, I'm sort of in agreement and I'm, I'm sort of not in some ways. And I think mm-hmm. that um, like dating as, as it stands is like going out for coffee with someone, in, like those, those things in that, like the structure, um, I think can be very similar in many ways. Um, and I think that some of those same hurdles exist. Um, in terms of like comfort and Mm -hmm. um like learning how to date and and all those sorts of things or um engage in sexual intimacy with another person and those sorts of things and i think it's all like it there's a temporal component to this as well because i know that when i was in high school like there was only one out person Um, and so i think that like dating would be very different or, or like really being able to um, explore your intimacy during a time when like you've just gone through puberty like hormones are raging like you are curious um, and and you don't have that opportunity and so I think to some degree for a lot of folks my age and um, which is I'm not very old um, is you know sort of reclaiming some of that time that feels like it was was taken and lost from us mm-hmm. and, And I think like, I know for myself, sometimes I just feel like I'm like, sort of like late to the party in a way, um, which can be frustrating to to some degree. And I I think that um, for straight folks that that experience is different um, than us when we're younger. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also think that like intimacy is a bit different or or feels different uh, within the queer community for me. Um, and then I think that there's a, a different perspective on sex in, in many ways. Um, and I think that uh, sexual like interactions, um, there's not as much weight placed on that always, I don't think, and that's not to speak for every single person. Um, but I think that often that is a form of connection and of, of kinship. Um, that I really, really value. And I think about like, there are a lot of people in my life um, that I have a great deal of intimacy with, with whom it was like only ever um, like a, a hookup or that sort of thing. Um, but there just feels like a different degree of bonding that I don't think the straight people in my life have from their hookups and that sort of thing. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I do feel like that is, is different for us Um, and I do think that like then there's feelings of safety as well in terms of intimacy that I I think are more challenging Mm -hmm. Um, and I think about um, like for me I uh, was on a date with someone last week and then like we got back at my building and we were outside and like he was like just gave me a kiss outside of the building but I was kind of scared in that moment as well because it was like 10:30, almost 11 at night uh, it's dark out and like is it safe for us as two men to be kissing in public right when we know that at Hanlon's uh, beach uh, about a week ago someone was brutally assaulted right and so <laughs> Like there's, there's pieces like that that I, I do think make our experiences of intimacy different. And I imagine uh, for two queer women that would also be very different because uh, in general, it's not as safe for women because we know of, of um, misogyny and, and patriarchy influencing those experiences. And so th- there's some pieces like that that I do think m- make our experiences a bit different than, the like straight experience in terms of intimacy
0: yeah i definitely agree with you on the fact that there is a def different level of connection um when you're intimate with someone um when you're part of the queer community that connection is very much so different um because I do feel like you are sharing something that is way more than your sexuality. It is way more than, um, you know, it's it's something that is a is a part of you, and you want people to accept you for who you are. So I find that intimacy factor is very huge, um, and. I agree that the dating structure is is fairly the same, but when you're intimate with someone of the same sex or however it be, um, when you're intimate with someone that is part of the queer community and you yourself is part of it as well, um, there is a different connection because you both sort of understand the 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 I guess the hardships or the things that you've had to go through throughout your life that you know, Like for me, it was very hard for me to sort of find myself being accepted by other people. So when I was intimate with somebody that was of the same sex, I found that they understood me like no other person has before. So it was very different for me to be intimate with someone um, of the same sex and then being intimate with someone who um, is of the opposite sex. I mean, there's still uh, different connections for me, but I feel like that that uh connection with someone of the same sex for me was very different and i was able to just connect with them a lot stronger or a lot more because they understood who i was and um you know that feeling of being accepted with one another feeling safe with one another is huge um so for me being with somebody the opposite sex i've had a a lot of troubles in that area and not feeling safe whereas when i'm with someone who is of the same sex who is a woman it's it's very much so they understand that hardship you know so um i definitely feel like the safety factor and the intimacy um is is very much so different so um
1: i i think that you know there's also this piece around like like a different understanding of your body, right? Yeah. Um, Which is different. Um, And I, you know, I I do think that there's to some degree a biological component to that. And that um, like, I mean, I also like, I have never been with a woman. I have no intentions of ever being with a woman. I don't like my body is different. And so I know what feels good based on like my biological makeup that I think can be really challenging. to then understand how to please another person who is of a different biological makeup, um,
0: mm.
1: right? And, and so that's something that I, I do think about um, that sort of came to mind for you when you were saying that, that I, I wonder if that influences that feeling of, of closeness or safety or, or, or intimacy as well.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And then I also think about um, our experiences being political right like and and um they they can't ever not be or and i i don't think that will change for a very long time because we know that um like our very existence is still debated right like i still cannot donate blood based on who i have sex with right and so like i I think that although you know we're not necessarily always thinking of politics when we um are like on a date with someone or in bed with someone or that sort of thing. Um, I think that that is always still present in those interactions. I, I don't think that we can ever escape that. Um, and to some degree, I, I do wonder if that also plays in to that intimacy as well. And um, that there's that feeling of it being radical and also that feeling of like needing that solidarity with one another because uh, of the fact that it's debated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's something that I think about as well. But a question that I have for you, Alex, mm-hmm. um, is I, I, you know, I, I think a lot about these sort of the gender binary, um, these heteronormative world that we exist in, um, and I am curious if you think that um, that has has played a role um, in how you experience dating or intimacy or relationships
0: yeah I mean there is definitely um, that that norm of needing to be like heterosexual like heteronormative I feel like that is definitely something that um, your communities experience Um, I just find that when we when we think about these norms that we like i normally say like it doesn't have to be this way because we are who we are we want our relationship to be the way that we want it to be um we don't want to put a norm on it because nothing is normal um so i would just say like having that um conversation with your partner and saying you know this is how we want our relationship to be. This is who we are having that conversation because I feel like a lot of uh, folks that are starting to be, or that they have come out and then have this new person in their life and they start dating this new person. I think that they are normally going to think of the heteronormative factors of a relationship like does a person have to be a man and does a person have to act like a woman in this relationship even though they're of the same sex so you know there is mask and there's femme um but i definitely think that um that is something that you encounter and you understand about yourself and then that comes in into the relationship and then you decide with your partner this is what we have decided there there is no man or woman or there is no heteronormative factors because that's just who we are we act like how we are this is who i am so this is gonna. this is how it looks like right so i think that um there needs to there needs to be sort of a, a rethinking on those heteronormative factors of queer relationships because it doesn't have to be a certain way it doesn't have to be man and woman it doesn't have to be like that you are who you are this is the way that you feel and this is the way that you are so I feel like there shouldn't be that sort of um, thinking on having that be a part of your relationship because I feel like there, there's something unique about you there's something so um, you know I don't know how to word it but I just I would say like it doesn't have to be that way and then you should have that conversation with your partner Um, or if people think that it has to be a man and a woman then um, you know just a general explanation that this is who you are you don't have to be that way so I definitely think it it has influenced dating and intimacy for queer communities a hundred percent but I think it's up to you as a person to understand who you are and that you either um feel a certain way about your body about the certain way that you trust it doesn't have to be in, in a masculine or feminine way whatever it be it can be the way that you dress or the way that you act it's like you it's not a gender or a sex it's just you so i dress as alex and aaron dresses as aaron and all those kinds of factors. Um, so I feel like it's just who you are. It's not. It's not about those, those two things about being a man or a woman, in the queer community. So.
1: Yeah, I um, just think of it like so often. People feel like, who's the man in the relationship, and who's the woman in the relationship, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And like, it just it doesn't have to exist in that way. And and I know for me, um, like I. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a traditionally masculine person, and I think people pick up on that pretty fast. Um, and so I, I find that really frustrating, because I feel like I am then sort of pigeonholed into this sort of um, role that is anticipated or expected of me uh, in intimate connections and, um it's not just from straight people that like that's experienced it you know it, it is from other folks within U.S. lgbtq uh, plus communities um i think so much around um like on dating apps like when someone on grind just like mask for mask and that sort of thing and like no fems any mm-hmm. and you know, I I think that that is still sort of this gender binary or this heteronormativity like that sometimes still comes out and, and really I think sometimes it's misogyny. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And I, you know, I, I, I find that that, um, has impacted me. Um, I often I think feel like I need to step into what feels like a traditionally, um, Feminized role within a dynamic with another person. Um, and I think that often that, again, it is placed on us, you know, when we're talking about in terms of like tops and bottoms and that sort of thing. And there's this idea that like every top uh, within a, a queer dynamic needs to be like super masculine and, and dominant and, and these sorts of things. Right. Um, and that every bottom needs to be like more feminine and submissive and that sort of thing and and the reality is like that's not how all of us engage in in our sexual means and that sort of thing and um i think that many of us are still navigating that tension right there's that external pressure that is being placed upon us and is sort of like squeezing around us mm-hmm. um, and then we're trying to navigate ourselves within that space as well yeah and i think that it can be really really hard um to then be on a dating app or on one of those websites or that sort of thing or in conversation uh, with another queer person and it's like I I want to feel kinship with you but you're actually sharing some of these ideals that you know I think are really harmful to us Mm -hmm. Um, and and sometimes that feels like a betrayal truthfully
0: right yeah I would say the same it's just that people within the queer community or the two S L lgbtq plus community still have these roles and in, in their minds about the mask and feminine um factors of a relationship and i feel like it doesn't necessarily have to be that way or you don't need to put a label on who you are in the relationship it's just a relationship between you and this other person or um whoever it may be it is just between you and that other person and i don't think you need to put a label on who's the man who's the woman who's the mask who's the femme who's the top who's the bottom you know it just it doesn't have to have a label so however you engage in that relationship however you engage in intimacy i think it's just up to you two or however um i I know that there's um i don't want to just make it just between two people because i know that there are relationships that are open and things like that but um in general terms just like in a relationship or in an intimate uh space with someone um it's just it's just you and them you know it's just it's just having to recognize that this is who you are and if there's a push in terms of having um you be a mask or femme in a specific situation then and if that's not something that you agree with and i think that you should make that known to your partner that's that that's not necessarily who i am i don't go by these labels i don't you know i think that it is harmful to our community to put on these labels of mask and femme because we're still putting that heteronormative factor on the relationship or the intimacy. So I think there definitely needs to be conversation around that and having those labels just not be there. Cause you know, I see it a lot of the time on social media like TikTok or Instagram that you see like who's the mask and who's the femme, like guessing about who who is who in the relationship. But I'm just like it's just you two. That's all I see. It's just you two in the relationship and and you're having a a healthy relationship. So yeah, I definitely think that there needs to be like that conversation of within the community as well. It's just like, we don't need these labels. You you know, we don't need the mask and femme labels. It's just who we are. So yeah, I definitely think that it, it is harmful when we use those things towards each other, especially.
1: Well, and I think when we ch- just like try and force those upon other people, right? And like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, you know, when we're trying to take away like someone's right to, to self-determination in, in a way. Um, but I think what's really exciting, mm-hmm. you know, I you brought up, for instance, that um, not um, every relationship dynamic, for instance, is like just two people. Um, and that's also something that I just want to notice is that I really like that um
0: the queering
1: of of intimacy and like of disrupting norms and those sorts of things. And I think that's something that I really enjoy about being a queer person. Um, and I think about, um, you know, we challenge heteronormativity because not everyone will have sort of like the nuclear family with like, you know, the spouse and the kids and those sorts of things. And um, I think that there is Um, more openness, or at least it's more openly discussed around like polyamory and open relationships and non-monogamy and all these sorts of things. Uh, And so I think in in some ways there feels like there's also liberation within queer intimacy um, that I think uh, straight people just haven't quite figured out yet necessarily. Um, And like, sucks to be them, I guess. (laughs) But. yeah Uh, yeah i I think like that's a really exciting thing to me about queer intimacy um is that i think that it contains a lot more potential and opportunity um, because it is constantly um and and, you know challenging
0: norms Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that as well like you said it you said it all pretty much like being um a queer person is challenging those norms and like you know saying that we aren't uh you know part of the the normal i guess part of society um we are the ones that that say you know what this is who i am and like that's it and i feel like um that's the best part of being part of the two S L lgbtq plus community is just you're able to be who you are and um, there's a part of of me that always likes to educate other people on the community if they don't understand something and um like having having to talk to my friends about it because they have questions and they're just like how does this work how does that work just being able to be a part of that and having sort of a change happen within society having people become more educated because you were part of the queer community um i mean i still don't know a lot of things about the queer community and i would still love to learn um and then the process of learning but the things that i can answer the things that i've experienced for myself and those are the questions that i get all the time it's just like how does how does bisexuality work how does that you know happen are you straight as soon as you marry somebody of the same of the opposite sex and stuff like that those kinds of questions i feel like i'm able to educate others on who i am and other parts of the U.S. Uh, lgbtq plus community it's just having that Ability to to help others and sort of start a new way of thinking in in Society and not really having the norms anymore because I don't think there is anything normal. Like I said before um, There is nothing normal Nobody's normal. Everybody is unique. So I feel like um, Having those conversations with your peers your parents your family like talking about these things and being open I know a lot of people are scared to because I was too but having that conversation with a lot of people can help them understand more and more about the two G B T Q plus community. And I feel like that's a really strong part we play in the community because we are experiencing it ourselves. We've gone through things that not many other people have experienced. And I feel like that's a great thing to just educate others on what the community is about. And that's why we're doing this today, like this podcast. It's another thing. like trying to educate folks on the community and sort of helping people get rid of that um, societal norm or norms that exist already you know from past history so i feel like us just doing this is a great part of being in the community so yeah but i have a question for you (laughs) Erin. um so whether it be like in the pandemic or outside of the pandemic, what um, sort of apps or things that you have used that have worked for you in dating and what didn't work?
1: Yeah, I think um, like particularly because we're in this pandemic, like a lot of us are engaging virtually right now. And I mean, second dose summer, so like hopefully that'll change. Yeah. but I think like for me, um, I like first started using Grindr because that was really the only one that I knew about. And I didn't want to use like a website because there's something that felt different about that. Yeah. Um, it sort of felt archaic to me. <laughs> um, but I like Grinder for me was really great in terms of when I was coming to understand my queer identity. Um, being able to talk to other people and and connect with other people, especially because I was in Northern Ontario. Uh, I was in North Bay, it is not North Gay. Uh, And so it was um, really great to be able to to connect with other folks. Um, I think the challenge that I find with uh, Grindr is that um, like, I don't always feel safe in that space. And I think there's like a lot of blank profiles Um, I, there's people who catfish and that sort of thing. Um, and those are things that just make me cautious. And like, I still use the app, but I, I'm really, really cautious in how I go about it. Um, and I, um, I find that like each app sort of serves a different purpose. I think that, um, I'm not a Tinder person. Um, I hear for like the straights, it's great. Um, and like. I, I wish it were the same for me I find everyone like matches and then never talks um, but what I've recently explored is hinge which I think that like if you're looking for like genuine intimate connections um, as opposed to hookups hinge seems like like that girl uh, hinge knows what what it's doing and um, in that like there's a lot of processes that are involved in ensuring that like you are verified and that sort of thing. And so that I do really appreciate in terms of like feeling safe in that space, feeling like people are actually looking for genuine connections and and that sort of thing. Um, So those are sort of, of my app experiences. And then I would also say like, I think Instagram is pretty much becoming a dating app at this point. I know like Facebook actually does have dating. I have not used it, Um, but like the DMs on Instagram just seem to be the thing. Um, And then I don't know um, what it's um, like for for folks who are not queer men, but I would say that a lot of the queer men um, on my Instagram use close friends um, to share, thirst traps to to really like attract attention and that's how conversations get started. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so I think like for people who are are trying to figure out which app to use, like I I think dabble uh, is really the way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Do a bit of of understanding of what each one offers um, and and what safety mechanisms are involved in that sort of thing. those are just sort of some pieces that i think about But i think explore and, and you'll figure out which one really is working for you because like i've heard tinder works for other people um tinder does not does not like me it does not favor me at all
0: yeah i would say the same for tinder um i mean i'm in a relationship now so obviously i haven't used it since like before the pandemic um but you know when i was on tinder i found it it was very like I felt kind of unsafe on tinder to be honest like i found that it was very much so a hookup app like a lot of folks were only interested in that and not really interested in relationships you'll get the like the odd person that will say hey like do you actually want to go on a on an actual date i'm like wow that's that's the first on tinder um so i found that tinder was as very much so like if you're into hookups and that kind of um dating scene like for sure go for it if it works for you uh great and if it doesn't then research other apps that might be something that um you can use instead so i found that bumble was a little bit better um you know bumble did have the option of like just meeting for friends or dating or like separate categories that you could choose from and putting your interests hobbies stuff like that um but other than those two um i found tinder was very much so an unsafe space because i found that a lot of people had the the vision of tinder being um a hookup app so then you would constantly get like unsolicited photos or you know just weird stuff stuff that wasn't consensual from from like your end it wasn't consensual for you to like talk like this like there was a lot of um you know sexting that shouldn't have happened like it doesn't make sense to just do that and i found i found it really like an unsafe space so then i would like delete tinder like four or five times just to like relax (laughs) because tinder was just like too much at some points and then um yeah and then i wouldn't use bumble um uh, i found that it was similar to tinder but like you would still get people that were trying to you know engage in hookups and i wasn't really into that scene um i found it like before the pandemic it was a lot easier to meet someone in person obviously like you know there's there's bars that i went to and stuff like that where i met people and um i found that a a way better way to meet someone just because you're you're actually talking to them face to face you get to see their reaction the things that you're saying and um, having that genuine um, conversation um, so I found obviously in person you can't do now but um, you know I definitely think Instagram DMs is a, is a big thing too right now um, in terms of the dating scene I don't really know what else is happening <laughs> So, um, but that's just my experience from before the pandemic and when I was single, um, just those apps didn't really work for me. And um, yeah, I would definitely say like, do research before joining any, and like sort of understanding what each app offers and then um, signing up for an app that you feel most comfortable with, um, depending on what you want. in during your single life um so yeah and it's
1: also okay if like the apps aren't for you either because mm-hmm. um, like yeah. i go through periods of that too um and i know you mentioned like deleting them as well because like you just needed to to be away from them and that sort of thing um, right. which i you know is important to also be able to recognize as well um I think, you know, you've talked a bit about safety and, and that sort of thing as well. And I think that when we're talking about meeting people off of these spaces as well, we do need to be considering our safety. And I think that, you know, a lot of our recommendations would be the same regardless of whether someone is from the 2SLGBTQ plus community or not, um, in terms of like, you know, if we're, we're sending nude photos and that sort of thing, like. Being cautious of um, any identifying features or that sort of thing. So, like, I'm going to keep my face out of them. I have a lot of tattoos. I I work my angles to to make sure that my tattoos aren't present, um, because I like that's just a way that I'm trying to to mitigate potential harm uh, for me. I think um, some other things. You know, I don't like to give out my number until I've met someone. Um, because again, like, do I know who they are or not? Do I know if this is someone that really should have access to me in that sort of way? Mm-hmm. I like to keep it on an app whenever possible. Um, and I think like that also might vary depending on the app. For instance, like again, with Grinder, like if there's a lot less checks and balances to verify someone's identity, mm-hmm. um, so I'm much more cautious in that space. Um, I, I think it's really important to like meet someone in a public space first um, before um, going to somewhere private um, to get to know that person and, and know whether you feel safe uh, in, in doing so. Um, and then I do think about like, do you have someone check in with you throughout the date? Do you, does someone know where you're going to be and what time you'll be in that sort of thing? Like, I think that all of those pieces, um would remain the same in terms of um sort of like engaging in these encounters safely Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, yeah is there anything that you wanted to add to that alex
0: yeah i was just gonna say like it's definitely a lot harder now with the pandemic to engage in in in-person encounters um but you know feel like do anything that you need to to help yourself feel the safest and if you don't feel safe in that moment it's okay to respectfully say like hey um you know i need to get going somewhere you don't even have to like tell them the reason but like just just making sure that you feel safe in that moment um i i definitely agree with the things that you said erin of like having your location shared with somebody or having someone check in uh, with you during the date to just to make sure that you're okay. Cause I know that there are some scary stories with, um, with dating apps and that sort of thing. Um, when I was using it, I made sure that I wouldn't meet up with someone unless I was talking to them for a little bit longer than like a week, you know, I would wait for like a month to meet them or just to like get a true, um, sense of how they talk, throughout text and then for me it really depended on how that engagement was with that person so either I would be okay with like giving them my snapchat or my Instagram and then we would talk through through snapchat so you would see their face instead of just through texts Um, if they wanted to they could call you and FaceTime you through snapchat or like that little uh, video call aspect um so yeah that was what it was like for me like i didn't immediately hop on the train of like meeting them until i actually was talking to them for for a couple weeks or a few weeks um because i i don't i don't really know the person and for me it's just a it's a really big safety thing like i want to know who you are how you act and that sort of thing um if i feel safe enough to meet up with you then you know, that will come to me. But um yeah, I definitely think that there's like when you're actually in person with that with that um with that other person, then there are things that you need to say um in terms of engaging in consensual behavior or in in a sexual way or manner. You definitely have to have that um consent there talk about what you're okay with, not okay with. Like this goes for any sort of hookup. doesn't matter if you're part of the 2SLGBTQ plus community or not. Um, like how Erin said, I feel like this goes for anybody. Just make sure it's consensual. Say when you're feeling unsafe or, um, you know, talk about what you're okay with doing and what you're not okay with doing. Um, so I found that also helps in the talking Uh, Pieces like on uh, on apps and that sort of thing like talking about what you're okay with Um, If that's not really something that you're okay with talking about on apps also do it in person, but I definitely think that needs to be said at some point if you plan on engaging in uh, sexual uh, things with that other person So yeah, that's that's all I would say about like safety in terms of actually being in person with that person
1: yeah, and then um I'm mindful that we're running out of time, so I think we'll close in a moment. But before we do that, I, I also want to know that um, in terms of folks who maybe are listening from the 2S LGBTQ community um, who or, or think that you might identify and, and you're still questioning whether you do or not, um, I do think that dating apps can be a valuable space for that. Um, I think that um, we need to be cautious in how we use those, those pieces um, and, and mindful of our safety in those spaces. But um, I think that it can be really valuable to find that connection with other people, even if you're never meeting, even if you're just having conversations and that sort of thing. Um, because I think that we don't have the same ability always. To explore our sexuality and to uh, really navigate our identity um, because this world still is not built for us uh, in the way that it is built for heterosexual people and for cisgender people. And so, I just I, that's something that I would encourage folks um, to, to think about is that as a space of being able to do a bit of learning and exploring and perhaps some uh, affirming of our identity, Um, while acknowledging those are not always affirming spaces for all of us. um, And and that's also important for me to acknowledge as well. Um, But I think I will pass it over to you, Alex, to, to wrap us up for today.
0: Yes, thanks, Erin. So, yeah, this brings us to the end of our episode today. Um, we thank all of you that joined for tuning into our conversation, and also thank you for listening. Um, if you were a part of um, this live and you're still listening now, you can uh, feel free to fill out our survey. That is in the link in our bio just to um, ask what you learned today. Is there something new that you um, discovered about the LGBTQ plus community? um we would love to hear what uh you would like to hear from us next and what you would like to listen to so that's also in that survey so please don't forget to fill that out and um yeah thank you again for listening today and we'll see you all soon
1: and if you're listening to the podcast recording of this you can also fill out that survey and then the link in our bio
0: All right, we'll see you all very soon in an upcoming episode or hopefully an upcoming event. All right, everyone, see you soon. Bye.